on the greatest day in history. How do we celebrate? What do we do? So, today we're going to launch CBC TV, a new TV channel to celebrate this, um, this amazing day. Um, so, what, our first programme that we're going to have on CBC TV is Question Time. And I'd like to invite up our, our presenter for Question Time, Steve, who's going to uh, interview some uh, honourable guests. Fabulous, thank you. Yes, we've been preparing this for weeks upon weeks upon weeks. Uh, I read the email this morning. Uh, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to hear from a couple of uh, events or things that have been happening recently. The first is a spring harvest. Put your hands up if you want a spring harvest. Fabulous. Put your hand up if you're a child and you want to come forward because I'm going to interview you now, Matthew and Daniel, you know about it, Tegan, a few others. If you'd like to come forward now, anybody else who was at spring harvest who's a child who wants to come forward and Sean. <laughs> Fabulous. Give them a round of applause as they come forward. So I'm going to start. That's it. Don't come too quick. Come on, come on, come on. We're going to come around the front here. And, yeah. and Dave, can we just give another one of those? We'll pass it along. Fabulous. So, uh, Daniel, start with you. Tell us a little bit about Spring Harvest. What kind of things did you get up to? Kind of just name me one thing and then we'll pass it to Tegan. What did you get up to at Spring Harvest? Uh, we had a fun time swimming. We went to our sessions and okay. played like wild ga- wide games. Okay, bring it to your sessions, Matthew. Uh, we did lots of activities that were at Butlins. Uh, most of the youth went. I went to the fair. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. Sean, I'll come to you in a minute. So uh, can we come, uh, if you hold on to that again. Uh, it's my kind of second question. What was your, any highlights or best bits? What did you enjoy most about Spring Harvest and about being there? What was I best enjoyed thing? swimming most. Swimming the most, Matthew. Uh, I enjoyed the fun fair. I enjoyed getting like free stuff off of <laughs> stalls, like food stalls that you can That tells get. you a lot about the Fisher family. No. <laughs> okay, yes, brilliant, that's brilliant. I enjoyed go-karting in a football tournament. Fabulous, fabulous. And uh, last question for you. What did you learn from your time at Spring Harvest? Kind of, someone said I met with Jesus, which is fantastic. We might hear, say a bit more about that maybe. But what did you... Uh, learn about God, maybe particularly. I learned a lot about prayer and how to talk to God. Brilliant. Same. <laughs> Matthew. Uh, so we we were taught about prayer and how to do it, uh, what it was, and just mainly about it. Brilliant. I've learned how to talk to God. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Give them all a round of applause. John, if you take that. Guys, if you want to sit down, that's absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Sean. Uh, now, Sean, this is your first experience of Spring Harvest, I believe. Yes, So tell it me was. a little bit about it, how you found it. What um, was it like? I found it absolutely amazing. It was amazing being in the big top with thousands of people all singing at the same time. It was just all worshipping God at the same time. It was just amazing. Fantastic. What kind of things did you get up to? Where did you, what kind of, where did you go? Were there sessions, seminars? Yeah, I, kind of... I, I, ba- I basically done the two sessions in the morning and then the evening session and had the afternoons off. Yeah. Um, me and Mark would go to the big top together in the morning and the evening and he would go and play snooker and things like that on the second session. He lost session. against me. And I would go to the second session, um, which was 
done by an amazing couple. They weren't a couple, but two people. Uh, one was um, Brian Hay... Oh, I can't remember his surname. <laughs> Brian and a, a, a pastor called Sarah from Birmingham. Brilliant. They were both amazing people, amazing stories of their lives and mm. everything else. And it was just so inspiring. And what Brian has installed in me is secret prayers where you pray for people... And you think it isn't doing any good. Yeah. But just carry on and carry on because you never, prayer. never, never know when that will happen and it will happen. Fabulous. I can obviously hear already, this, my kind of last question is, has your, how has your faith grown? And I can hear that already. Yeah, I think, I think the, the prayer side of things, I know I didn't pray enough before. Um, but taking Pete Gregg's mm. advice on that is to, to keep it simple um, to keep it real and to keep it up and I think I'm really going to try and go by that and I've got lots of material that I've picked up and brought while free. I was there no 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 I mine wasn't free and Tegan was very very disappointed yesterday when she asked me did I find the free stool for the free cans of coke the free sweets and this this and this and I said no I didn't go to that one <laughs> I think she sent Kate with the boys though ah, well, Kate knows all about it for thank you Sean. I just encourage people to unless you did you want to say something else no, no. Oh, that's it. but thank just you. to you know if people if you want to find out more about Spring Harvest and kind of what happened uh, then do speak to Shana and others who went. Give Shana a round of applause. Thank you. Now, some, of, uh, some people in uh, the church have been using this book, doing Lent, at home in Lent. And we're going to find out a bit more about that with, through Paul and Paula, who are going to come forward. Give them a round of applause. Oh, you've got your book as well. Paul hasn't brought his book. Have you, re- have you read today's? Yes. Have you read today's? Good. Paul, first question to you, Paul. Uh, give us a quick overview of this book, At Home in Lent. Just a short overview of that. Yeah, yeah. We thought that would uh, be a good idea to, uh, instead of having a home group style session we'd, uh, this Lent, we'd have a, a WhatsApp type session. And Emma uh, organised it brilliantly. What she would do is, is post a, a, a photograph of a particular object per day, 46 days within the book. Uh, and that object would be related to and, and to, to inspire you to actually think a little bit more about a related thing to your faith and grow your faith and your deepening your faith with, with God. Brilliant, thank you. Paula, can you tell us a little bit about some of the objects in this uh, book? Shall I have your, shall I have yeah. your mic? Um, well, 46 objects, don't worry, I'm not going to re- read a list of 46 <laughs> objects, but here are some of the ones that um, stood, out for, stood out for me. The, the beginning ones were all about doors and thresholds and crossing over into different places. Um, and then we had showers and washing machines and radios and a whole load of stuff about money and bills. And all of these things are thing, were things that the writer of the book identified we had in our homes and that, that he, he gave us a bit of history of them all and then linked it to um, Jesus' ministry, really. And I'd just like to say thank you to Emma because it's been a brilliant book. And it's a bit like when you arrange to go for a walk with somebody or go swimming with somebody. When you all know you're part of a group and you're all reading it, it's, for me personally, it's very motivating to think, I must make sure I do that today because I'm part of a, part of a group and we're sharing about it. So, yeah. Brilliant. What was your one of the ones that stood out for you. Tell us a little bit about yeah, it as well. Yeah, without getting too verbose about it, um, it was called Clock, based on time, of course, and uh, 
Yeah, um, God created time, he transcends time, uh, but we've got finite time here. We'll have all the time in the world or out of this world uh, in, in heaven, uh, but we haven't now, so we need to make most of our time. And I think um, what hit me was um, the, the thinking time and the doing time. We, 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 we think so much. Uh, we regret the past, we, we get anxious about the future, but we should be living more in the present. That was one thing that came out to me. We've all got so many pressures and the doing time as well. We need to be um, looking at the... Uh, we need leisure time. We all get pressured. A lot of people do fantastic things in, in church, uh, for church. But we need to balance our, our leisure time and uh, our, our worship time. And there's one other thing I, I, I would say, if I may. Um, the, the, the three things that really stood out to me from that was um, read the Bible more. Don't just put it aside and just slot it in when you can. Um, pray, 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 as we've learned at uh, Spring Harvest. And um, uh, also, um, there's a great teaching here, we know, but we, sometimes we need supplementary teaching. And I think, apart from home group, home group's wonderful, but also uh, get involved with some sort of other worldwide Christian worship, such as uh, Revelation TV or TBN, which I'll put a plug for now, Channel 65 on Freeview, absolutely brilliant. And we all need that to, to give us a boost to make the... The, the best use of our precious time. Okay, thank you, Paul. Same uh, for you, Paula. Tell us about your favourite one and why. Um, there were quite a few favourite ones, but the one I've picked is towel. Can anybody think of a situation in the Bible where there's a towel? A towel. Sally. Yeah. Ten out of ten to Sally. I thought, towel? How's he, how's he going to get towel in on, in the book? But indeed, that, there's, so there's a bit in the passage... Um, where at the, last, uh, at the Last Supper, Jesus washes the feet of his disciples and he takes out off his outer jacket and he wraps a towel around his waist and he bends down and washes their, their feet. And for me, that was you know, reminding ourselves, serving one another in practical ways in, in a regular, on, on a regular basis. We tried to think of a modern equivalent. And actually, it was Simon on the WhatsApp group that came back with the only thing that he thought of was, you know, when people arrive, we might make them a, offer them a drink. We don't really have foot washing when people arrive. We don't say, should we wash your, wash your feet? That's a kind of welcoming people into the house. But for me, it was more than that, thinking about how we ought to be serving one another in, in practical ways and, and getting those opportunities to do so. Um, we're using the example of Jesus. Fantastic. Thank you. Give these guys a big round of applause. I think the... Uh... One of the highlights of this was the WhatsApp group. I joined it on day 44. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Okay. We are going to move on to our next programme on our CBC TV, which is Horrible Histories. So, welcome. Welcome to this episode of Horrible Histories. Today we're going to be looking back a long, long time ago in a far, far away land, in a place where the Jews offered gifts to God, and they called these gifts sacrifices. Now when they offered these sacrifices, which were often animals, the Israelites were giving back to God something that that he'd already given to them. And it was a way of them saying things like, thank you, it was a way of expressing their close relationship with God. It was a way of them expressing their desire to deepen their relationship with God and a way of saying sorry for things that had gone wrong and a way of trying to put those things right. In the Hebrew Bible, sacrifice involved a sense of transformation. So by burning the sacrifice, 
it changed and it moved from being here, a piece of meat on earth. And it says in Leviticus, which is one of the first books in the Old Testament, um, it says that God received the smoke from the, the sacrifices and it was a pleasing odour to him. So this is like God sharing fellowship with people, sharing that social time over a meal between humans and God in his house, his temple. And the temple had furniture like a house. It had a lamp and a table and had a place to cook the offerings like a very special barbecue um, where you would sacrifice these animals. They would get cooked. And if you overcooked them, you burnt them, that made them even more special in the, in the way that they were sacrificed to God. Now, most of us know how to cook. Probably some of us know how to burn stuff too. Uh, but actually, in this book of Leviticus, at the beginning of the Bible, there are very, very specific instructions about how to make these sacrifices. Um, they were not a do-it-yourself kind of barbecue idea. It was only the priests that could do it. It was a very important set of instructions that they followed. And it was viewed that they took a risk by going before God and offering these sacrifices. But they, there was lots of different kind of sacrifices. And we'll look at them because some children have been doing some colouring. So I'm hoping that people are going to bring their colouring sheets up in a minute. We can look at them. All the different types of sacrifice had the one thing in common that they all got burnt up and made this pleasing odour for God. So who has got the colouring sheet from Leviticus chapter 1, which is the burnt offering? Who's got number one? Bring them up and we'll see who's got which one. Oh, you've got number one. Fantastic. Do you know, hold that for a minute because I need my notes. <laughs> okay. So this is a really lovely colouring that Lydia's done to show us about the burnt offering, which is, literally means it's the offering that ascends up to God. You want to hold your colouring really carefully. You might want to come and look at the, the sheet because there's lots of interesting things on there as well as the colouring. Now, when we did the burnt offering, the whole animal gets burnt up, overcooked, completely burnt, and it's all given up to God. Okay? And the kind of animals that you could have were a bull, a sheep, a goat, or even a bird like a dove or a pigeon. And it was the most extravagant sort of sacrifice that the Jews could give. Thank you, Lydia. Would you like to go and pin it on the notice board on the top part of there? Okay, who's got number two? Ah, fantastic, Tegan. Come up and have a look. So, what's what's it say on this one, Tegan? You can read it. What does it say? A grain offering. That's right. And actually, the Hebrew word for this actually means gift. It was a gift to God. And it was a gift of either fine flour or unleavened baked goods mixed with oil. And some of the offering was burnt up with some incense and it was put on the altar file. And the rest was actually given to the priests. So this is an offering that was shared between God and the priests. Lovely colouring. Would you put that on the next to Leviticus 1? We'll have that. Who's got number 3? Ah, oh, fantastic. This is William, who came to visit our church, didn't you, with school a few weeks ago. It's really exciting to have him here now joining in. So, what's your offering called? Can you read that one for me? My offering is called Peace Offering. The Peace Offering, that's right. And this is an offering that was all about friendship and well-being, um, having fellowship with God. And this, again, it could be an animal from the flock, or, or from the herd, or it could be a, a flock animal as well. 
And this was different because not all of the animal is sacrificed, just the inner bits, um, and they go on the altar, and then the rest um, can be eaten like a normal meal. So that was a good one. Would you want to put that on the notice board as well, please? Now, I've got number four here, because I think Tristan had a go at colouring it in, didn't they? And James did a little bit of colouring here as well. So this is number four. James, do you want to hold this one for me? Okay, we can smooth it out in a minute. Do you want to hold the one? Tristan, do you want to hold the one that you started colouring? Because you both had a little go at this. Come up on here for me. We can hold it together. Is Tristan coming too? That was it. So I think if you hold it together, because you both worked hard on that, didn't we? That's it. Good boys. That's it. This one is a sin offering. Okay, so when things go wrong... This is our way. This was the kind of offering that was given to say sorry for the mistakes. Now, because when we make mistakes, it means we can't really be friends with God because things have gone wrong. Do you want to hold it? You can go back to mummy if you've had enough. You could go and put it on the notice board while I'm talking. Do you want to help? And I'll finish off telling you about it. Okay. So if you'd done something wrong, you'd made a mistake, which we call a sin. Do you want to go to the notice board? Do you want to go to mummy? Um, you, can, um, you had to make a sacrifice. Now, if you were a very important person, like a priest, then you would have to make a big sacrifice, like we're talking like a bull or something, yeah? If you were a normal Israelite, you'd perhaps take a lamb or um, a goat, something like that. If you were poor, maybe you'd take a bird, a dove or something like that. And actually, if you were very, very poor, then maybe grain would be enough for your sin offering. So it just depended on who you were and what you had to offer. Okay, now we should have a couple more. Do you want to bring them up together? Well done, John Mark. Bring it up then. We should have Leviticus 5 and Leviticus 6. Do you want to hold them up for us? Because these talk about when when we're guilty of something and there's another offering we have to make to make up for the wrongdoing that we've done. Okay? And this is a sacrifice where um, just the insides of the animal were were burnt up a sacrifice and the rest of it was given to the priest and he could use that for his meals. Lovely. Would you like to put them on the notice board as well? Thank you very much. I think they deserve a round of applause for their lovely colouring. There's an awful lot of information in Leviticus about sacrifices. Okay. Um, And we've tried to just get an idea of what it must have been like for the Israelites back before Jesus came along and the rituals and the traditions that they had to go through when they wanted to keep that relationship with um, Jesus, with God um, going when things went wrong or when they wanted to celebrate. So, no good TV channel would be complete without an opportunity to have a story. So, I welcome you to Jack and Ori. Now, this isn't a children's Bible, which is often what we read from at an all-age service, but it is a book that's been written like a story. And this little bit of the story is about a lady called Mary, and she was from a place called Magdala. And it was very early in the morning. No one had woken up as early as Mary had. Because she was worried about not disturbing the other women, she gathered her robe 
she pulled it over her shoulders as quietly as clouds gather in the midnight sky. Shoeless, she sneaks out from the house into the dewy orchards on the eastern slopes of Mount Mount of Olives. It was the wee hours of the morning, and this was the first day of the week. Already Mary feels the heat of weeping behind behind her eyes. Lamenting comes unbidden. It's not a formality. It has become a way of life. Since Friday, she's drawn her breath in sorrow and she's released it in sighing. Even the stew that Martha served with all the other women, even though it had chicory root and pickled capers, it just caught in the back of her throat like it was boiled grass. Mary hadn't eaten it. She wrapped her head and her face up to her eyes in a rough scarf. She hadn't washed or cared for herself either. The others would soon follow with the spices, the candles, the water, the cloth, the perfume. Maybe the men would come and roll the stone away so the embalmers could empty the tomb. Mary will serve them with the rest of the women. She would burn the incense, oil the Lord's body, wash it, perfume it, wrap it properly and caress it. Caress that beautiful face for the first time since she began to love him. But now... Right now, in the dark, before the rest of the family wakes, Mary cries. She can't wait for the family. She can't wait for a more suitable time. Sorrow swells within her. She will burst if she does not hurry to the tomb and just fall on her knees and cry. Mary runs outside of the city, along the northern wall. She sprints between the pool, Bethesda on her right, and the sheep gate on her left. For several hundred yards, she skirts the campground of the pilgrims' tents erected on the flat lands of Jerusalem. Then she passes the fish gate, which is closed until morning. She rounds the northwest gate at the northwest corner of the wall, turning south towards Golgotha and the Garden of Tombs. The woman is light as a lace wing, And grief, rather than dulling her, has changed her with a fretful energy. The running is easy. All her sinews are taut for running. Her senses are hectic. She does not stumble in the darkness. She doesn't fear obstructions. She is a swallow on the swift wing. Her cries are stifling, twit, twit, twit. Mary from Magdala. She is in a distressful flight. Mary kneels directly in front of Jesus' tomb. The flat stone that had covered the entrance has toppled to the ground a couple of yards away. Mary kneels and peers inside. There's just enough light to see the scrawl of a linen shroud. It's collapsed, ridged and wrinkled on the stone shelf where the body of the Lord should be lying. But his body isn't there. The tomb is empty. So, let's have a little bit of a look at that story. The tomb was empty, just like the DVD at the beginning of the service. Mary in this story was sad. But I know 
that some of the supernovas perhaps have a little bit of inside knowledge about this story because they looked at it with Cheryl last week. I wonder if there are any supernovas who can tell me what had happened to Jesus in that tomb when Mary saw it was empty. If you want to shout out the answer, that's okay. You don't have to come up. I wonder if anybody else can help them. The tomb was empty. It wasn't that he'd gone to heaven, but it was that he was alive. He was alive, and he was walking, and he was talking, and he was eating with his friends. It took a little while for everyone to realize that had happened, but that's where he was. He was alive. He had died on Friday, and he had rose on Sunday. And we give him the nickname, the Lamb of God. Now I wonder now, having looked at what the Jews used to do before Jesus, if that nickname of the Lamb of God makes a little bit more sense now. The Jews used to sacrifice lambs and goats and pigeons and things like this. And no longer, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, the Lamb of God. There was no more need for those sacrifices. He was the good news. And that's the good news that we now tell each other about. And we don't need to perform any more rituals or traditions or habits. But do we? Do we really not do any of those habits or traditions? I wonder how many of us maybe, well maybe not this one, but how many Christians use some really good Christian jargon to make us look really nice and spiritual. You know, maybe that impresses people. Maybe that will impress God. I remember when I told people when, you know, I was 23 when I found God. People were like, what do you mean you found God? What kind of, what do you mean? That's, you know, it doesn't make any sense to other people. And I also used to be in a church where there was this kind of mum battle because they wanted to have their daughters to be friends with the vicar's daughter. Because if you hang around with some holy people, it will make you look good, won't it? I'm sure God would be impressed with that kind of stuff. Yes, that's, that's a worthy aim. Perhaps if we go on lots of committees, you know, do lots of good work, exhaust ourselves with these good works, that would impress God, you know, that would help our relationship with him. I wonder if we did something nice and public, like maybe 40 acts during Lent, or, or, or we did the Lent flip-free plastic, and we really evangelise about, you know, being good stewards of God's kingdom, That would really help, wouldn't it? I wonder, if you're younger, perhaps if you really, really put your hand up a lot in Sunday school and were the first one to answer all the questions, um, do you think that would impress God? And he'd be really happy with that. I mean, all of these things are good. Well, some of these are good. Some of them aren't very helpful. But none of them are necessary anymore. We don't need to do any of these things because Jesus has paid the price. We can just enjoy God's company. Because on Friday, Jesus said, it is finished. Because the Lamb of God said, it is finished. And then because on Sunday, the tomb was empty. We are now free of all these rituals, all these traditions, all these things that we need to do to impress God. We just need to be ourselves and tell him that we love him. So... So, let's have a little bit of fun now. I wonder, 
If anyone noticed that we've got some chocolate eggs down the front. <laughs> I wonder if, there's, if we could get together three teams of people for these three eggs. Maybe two or three or four people in a team. If you're up for this, calm down and we'll see if we can organise the teams. Okay. If you want to work with someone in particular, then you can get yourself into a team. Hmm. Okay. So far, it looks like we've got a boys' team and a girls' team. Yes. I think we could really do with a grown-up in each group. It might help each one. Okay. So, what we're going to do... This is the Great British Bake Off, but this is different. This is pimping your egg. Have you ever seen Pimp Your Ride? Where people make their cars look pretty special. We're going to take what is an ordinary chocolate egg. You can start unwrapping them if you want. We can take these ordinary eggs and we're going to really make them into something special. I'm going to give you a time limit. So there's lots of different things. I'd like to say from the haberdashery, but that's the wrong programme. I really love the great big sewing bee, but you know. Come and get whatever you want from the um, sweet shop here. I'm going to give you, so we say three minutes? Do you think that's the right amount of time? And then see if you, as a team, can decorate your egg. Yes. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yes, please start. Yes. I Okay. Oh. Wait, can we put stuff inside? I would keep it empty, otherwise it'll spoil the, the learning objectives. Yes. To hold your egg up, maybe one person in each group. Okay. And we will we'll have a clapometer of appreciation for the. Uh, we start. We will do the one by one, shall we? So. Has your egg got a name or any... Uh, yes, no, our name is Bob. The Thing. Bob, Bob. Bob the, the Thing. Bob. 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 The, thing. Okay. Bob the Thing. So, can we, uh, can we show our appreciation for Bob the Thing? Um, I'm particularly impressed that Bob has used actually the nozzle from the icing as part of the decoration. It's hat. Really nice. Okay, do you have a name or... Some deep, meaningful, spiritual point with, with your egg. <laughs> no. Hold it up high. Okay, I think he deserves a round of applause as well. Okay, is, is it fragile? Yes, it's ours is entitled Beauty in Brokenness, because we spent the first minute and a half trying to stick it back together. Oh, thank you. Well, I think that's lovely. Now... In amongst all the fun, there was a really important, deep, meaningful, theological point, which has been ruined by this group already, so we'll just skip over that. <laughs> but if you look at the outside of these eggs, they are worth celebrating. Okay, today is a day to celebrate. These are spectacular, they're colourful, um, there's sweets, there's icing, there's going to be a massive sugar rush. But... They did all have something in common when we started this. And that's if... Do you want to break your eggs open, guys? Do you want to just crack them open? Just crack them open for me first. We will eat them at some point. Shake out out the marshmallows. Shake out the marshmallows. And then hold up 
your egg once you've cracked it open. All the eggs empty on the inside they, after they shook out their marshmallows. <laughs> so even though they look spectacular and they're worth celebrating on the outside, the eggs are empty on the inside, just like the tomb, which reminds us that Jesus has risen and that's something to celebrate. Um, I, I'm just getting a news feed here in my ear. There's a, there's a breaking news story. Um, it's from our correspondent Paul in um, ancient Galatia. Um, yes, I th- he sent many, many chapters, but the one chapter that's coming through is the headline is chapter 5. Uh, one of the first verses in chapter 5. Um, yes, his, his live news feed, this breaking news is, um, we have freedom now because Christ has set us free. Yes, Paul is sending us the news from Galatia that um, Christ has set us free to really live life. And Paul is talking again. He's reiterating the point. He says, let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free. He says it's not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. He's just adding a bit. Paul is saying, now hold on to your freedom. Don't ever become slaves to the law again. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think that message from Paul in that breaking news... Um, I think you'll agree that message from ancient Galatia is as clear and as valid today that it ever was. And I think it's probably worth something singing about. So. <clears throat> Please be seated. Well, all good TV stations have their uh, news, news programmes, and uh, we've got news round coming up, and I do believe we've got lots of roving reporters around the globe and around the place um, that have got a, uh, some news to deliver to us, but because this, of course, is a Christian TV channel, we will be praying for each of these news situations as we hear about them around the globe and then nationally and locally. So if you've got a prayer and you're one of the roving reporters, then please stand up and we'll share our prayers now. Who's got number one? Oh, number one. It's over here with William. This will be slick. Okay. The Christ- reporting from Syria. The Christian churches are dwindling. There are less than 60 left and the Christian here are in constant danger. Father God, we pray for peace and safety in this place. Amen. Amen. Do you want to do that? Who's got number two? Now towards the end of our service, we're going to take the opportunity just to look back um, a few days before Easter Sunday to that Thursday evening when Jesus shared a meal with his disciples, with his closest friends and followers. That wasn't an unusual thing for them to do. They would have eaten together many, many times. But on this occasion, Jesus gave it special significance. Jesus told them to take the familiar food and drink, the bread and the wine, and to use those things to remind them of him, and particularly to remind them of his death, which Jesus knew was about to happen, but at that stage, the disciples really 
had very little idea what was going to go on. And Jesus asked them to remember each time they shared that bread and wine, and therefore that's what we still do today. We eat bread and drink wine together to remind us that Jesus died for us, that he, and that he did that to offer us a way back to God. So we all now, here this morning, have the opportunity to share in that remembering, which is what Jesus asked his disciples to do. So if those who are going to be um, taking around the bread and the wine would like to come up.